um, beginning a new series today called Church 1.0. And in this series, we are taking a quick dive back into the beginning of the church, what we call the birth of the early church. Now, this is after Jesus has come. He's been crucified, resurrected from the dead, taken on himself, the sin of the world. He says to his disciples, wait, the Holy Spirit's going to come. The Holy Spirit comes, fills the believers. The spark of the flame of the church is lit from that moment, and the church just goes boom, and it expands throughout the world. And what you see when we look at the early church, there were four key practices that the Bible says they devoted themselves to. They held to these things. And what we want to do in this series is explore these four things because I think they are just as powerful and relevant to us now in the church as they were 2,000 plus something years ago uh, with the birth of the early church. We want to look at them today. Let's explore them together. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. Let's go there together. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so today I want to just dive into the first bit and a little bit of those four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. The early church placed a huge emphasis. They devoted themselves, there's a big emphasis, on sitting under the teaching of the apostles. Now, who were the apostles? The apostles were the disciples of Jesus. They were those who'd walked with Jesus, those that Jesus had discipled. And they, in the early church, they grew to become what was the early church leaders, the, the leaders of the church, the, what we would say today is the pastors and leaders of the early church. And, and here's the thing you've got to understand. In that moment, in that time, to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian, and to not be committed to a body of believers, a family of God, you know, like you hear a lot today, like, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. So get this. In that moment, in the early church, to be a follower of Jesus and to not be devoted to and committed to a body of believers, a family of God, to not meet with those people regularly, not like once a month or once every two months, like meet with them regularly, and to not sit under leadership within that church would be absolutely unheard of. It would be absolutely unheard of. It just would not exist. And so the current context that we might have, which would fall and form our sitting under, devoting ourselves to apostles' teaching and to fellowship would be what you're doing right here, right now. It would be Sunday church. That would be our current context of what we would see of being devoted to apostles' teaching and, and gathering together in, in fellowship. And I want to say from the outset of this message, church, never underestimate or undervalue the power and the value that is in meeting together on Sunday church. Don't ever take this for granted. Don't ever see it as a religious duty. Don't ever see it as just something you do to tick a box that makes God happy. Don't ever see it as something you just do because that's what your family does. It is so much bigger. It is so much greater. It is a part of what from the very beginning the church 
church has devoted themselves to from day one. I love Sunday church. I'm gonna tell you, man, I love Sunday church. And, and not just because I'm paid to do it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't just love Sunday church because this is my job. I love it because I love it. I love it because it's been so instrumental and powerful in my own life. I would not be the, the, the person I am today. I would not have the faith I have today. I would not be in the position I am with God today if it hadn't been for Sunday church. I love Sunday church. Sunday church, let me tell you, Sunday church has kept me on the straight and narrow. Sunday church has grown my love for God. Sunday church has increased my faith. Sunday church has helped me to stay on track when all I wanted to do was quit. I got saved in Sunday church. Sunday church is where I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Sunday church has carried me through trials. Sunday church has increased my love for people. Sunday church has steered me back to God. Sunday church has expanded my vision. Sunday church has encouraged me. Sunday church isn't perfect, but I value it so much. Come on, somebody. We ain't perfect. It's not perfect. You find a perfect church, run away. It'll be weird and not real. It's not perfect, but I love it so much. It's been so much to me. It's been of so much value to my life. And, and, and I, I would never, listen, there is, there is in fact even a warning in Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 10 where Paul, the apostle Paul, he, he even says it like this. There is a warning to us as believers to not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It can become a real easy habit to fall into to neglect something that was foundational to the church from day one, and that was to come and be with other believers and sit unto godly teaching. This is so powerful. The, the Apostle Paul, he's saying, don't neglect it. This is so important. Don't neglect the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. So, you know, I wanna, I wanna say today, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you call this church home, can I say to you, I want to encourage you, make it a priority in your life to make Sunday church a priority in your life. Like, don't undervalue, don't underestimate this. God wants to do so much. And so I believe we should hold to the same devotion that the early church had when it came to sitting under the apostle teaching and gathering together. And, and what I want to do is I want to explain to you why I believe it's so powerful when we come together and what happens when we come together. Um, and I want to do that by giving you three words that we use to explain um, at Sunday church here at Elam. Like you're in Elam, so we're going to talk Elam. Like I want to give you three words that will explain to you, describe to you Sunday church for us here at Elam. And I hope that will help you understand why this is so important for you and for your family. Are you ready, church? The first word we have here is the word celebration. At church, at Elam here, Sundays are about celebration. I, um, I get to emcee a lot of um, parties and weddings. You know, like when you talk a lot from stage, people are like, you're good at talking. Come talk at my wedding. So I, I've emceed a lot of parties and a lot of, a lot of uh, weddings and things like that. So what happens, though, is one of the greatest fears of any um, MC is the open mic time at a party where anyone can get up and say a speech. Anyone can come up and say whatever they hit they want. And the most dangerous words to come out of anyone's mouth is, are these words. You know, I didn't really prepare anything, but I'm like, if you didn't prepare, sit down. <laughs> you, like, prepare or don't. The problem with like open mic celebrations at a party is a lot of people know how to take off, but not a lot of people know how to land the plane. 
It is the speech that doesn't end. It just goes on and on, my friends. Uncle Larry started saying it, not knowing what it was, and he'll continue saying it forever just because it is a speech that doesn't end. This goes on and on and on, right? But what I love about speeches at birthdays and weddings is, is, is a speech at a birthday is all about honoring the person that's celebrating. Like you're celebrating that person. You're saying, man, you're amazing. You're such a good friend. You're incredible. You've got so many gifts and talent. You, you, we're building them up and we're celebrating and we're honoring the person who's celebrating. We'll even sing this birthday song, happy birthday to you. Like we're singing, we're honoring that person because it's a celebration moment for that person. Let me tell you, friends, when we come to church, I make no excuses for the fact that we will celebrate God in this house. We will celebrate who He is. We will sing about it. We will talk about it. We will shout about it. We'll scream about it. We'll clap about it. We will declare His goodness, His faithfulness, His love, His mercy. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And we are going to celebrate all that He is in this place. See, what does celebration do? Celebration is about honour. When you celebrate someone at a birthday, you're honouring them. And when you come to church and you celebrate God, you are honouring Him for who He is. And here's the cool thing. When you show God honour, you open the way for the miraculous. I don't know if you understand that. In the Gospels, there's a moment where Jesus goes to his hometown and he goes there to perform some miracles. And the Bible says he could not perform any mighty works. Not that he would not, that he could not. And he could not do it. Why? Because the people in that town withheld honor from him. They treated him as ordinary and common and nothing special. Church, never come here and treat God as ordinary, common, or nothing special. When you treat Him like that, you'll fail to see God pour out. I don't want a church that treats God as common. I want a church that celebrates and honours Him and opens the way for healings and breakthrough and the power and the anointing of God to come and fall in this place. Come on, someone's got to get excited about that one right now. I want to see God move. We're going to create a place of honour. We'll come here. We're going to sing about Him. We'll declare of His goodness, His faithfulness. What happens when you come into a room and you begin to declare the promises and the goodness of God? What happens is your faith starts to enlarge. And you can come into church one way and then you leave a totally different way. What happened is you began to celebrate Him and your perspective began to shift. Your faith began to grow. And when you come into a room of collective faith in that moment, God seems to move in powerful ways ways like you never expected him to move. That's why you come in without hope and you leave with hope. That's why you come in downcast and you leave with your head up. Listen, the first two songs that we sing in church are not the warm-up songs. They're not the warm-up songs to get to the good ones. They are the celebration moments. They are powerful and important. We can't go there unless we celebrate. We give God honour and glory and praise in those moments. That's why, listen, I'll come to any service. I will praise better than anybody. I'm 37 years old and I've been sick in bed for the last three days. I will sing. I will jump. I will clap. I'll go crazy. Why? Because I want to open the way for God to move in my life more than He's ever moved before. Amen, Steve. Let's be a church who believes and celebrates the bigness, the greatness, and the goodness of God. Celebration. The second word we use is this, inspiration. Inspiration. One thing I love is a good tasting platter. I love how nowadays you go to a party, it's all about the platter. I love it. Go in there. I will will stand at a tasting platter for 17 hours and never get full. 
Yes, I'll have some gherkin. I will. Spicy salami. Don't mind if I do. Sun-dried tomato. You know I will. Like, I'll just, I'm going to eat that all day. The, thi- the thing about a tasting platter is this, though. Like, it's not a lot of any one thing. It's just a lot of a whole lot of things. It's a little of a lot. No, it's not. It's a lot of a little. Help me, Lord. It's not a lot of any one thing. It's a little of a lot of things. And I kind of look at church a bit like a tasting platter. Like when you come to Sunday church, it's kind of like a tasting platter. Like we get a little bit of baptism. We get a little bit of worship. We get a little taste of the Word. We get a little taste of prayer. We get a little taste of, we get a little taste of little everything, right? But the, the goal is not that you would go home and be like, that was nice and satisfying. No, no, no. The goal is that it inspires you to dig deeper in those things. That you go, man, worship was amazing. I'm gonna go home and put the greatest worship albums ever created on my Spotify. I'm gonna listen to that. I'm gonna dig in worship. Oh, that word was good, but I'm gonna go home and open my Bible. The very Word of God is in your home, friends, in your hand, on your phone. You can get in, you can dig it up, you can get it inside you. Our goal is to inspire you to dig a little bit deeper and to go further into the things of God for your life. See, you see, if you've ever been in church, and this has happened to me so many times, where the preacher gets up to preach, and they bring a message, and you're like, has he been reading my mail? Like, I'm sure this guy is stalking me because he just preached everything about my life. You turn to your friend and go, hey, did you tell him about me? You've been talking about me. We have people come and say to us, like, how did you know about me? I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> like, like, because God can sometimes get a word from, a, t- from a, leader, a teacher in the church and bring it. And in that moment, it's like the Word is just for you. It's like everything that you're going through in your life, it's like, what? It's like God just shows up in that moment and there's a Word straight from heaven, straight for you. And what the goal of that is, is to inspire you with whatever you're going through in that moment, to inspire you to believe God for more, to trust Him for more, to lean into Him for more and keep going in whatever God is doing in your life. I remember as a kid, we grew up in a house that had a log burning fire. And I'm believing God that one day I'm going to own a home with a log burning fire again. I love the environment, but give me a log burning fire. Like I'm into it. I love log burning fire. And my dad, he would like, he would create the fire. He would set it up and he would start the fire. And then it would be amazing, warm the house. But it was everyone in the family's job to keep that fire stoked. Like if you didn't stoke, the, like you walking past, you see a sign, okay, you put another log on there, you keep, you keep it burning, man. And if you, if you let that fire go out, like if you didn't stoke that fire and it slowly went out, you'd hear my dad shouting from somewhere in the house, who forgot to stoke the fire? Because you just let it go out and, and now there's no heat in the house and now everything's kind of fizzling out. You've got to start the process all over again. You've got these half-cooked logs and it's, just, it's, 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 an, it's a nightmare, friends. Friends, when you come to church here, you, you, God might have started a little fire in your heart. There might be a little spark and so oh, We're just going to throw some logs at you. That's all Sunday church. We're going to chuck some logs on that fire. Your job is to fan it into flames, the Bible says. Timothy, come on, fan that gift into flame that's inside of you. You've got to fan it into flame. But we're going to throw logs at you and our goal on Sunday is that you walk out of here a little bit hotter for Jesus. You might come a little bit. We don't, we don't want to put the fire out. Too many churches have put fires out on people. No, we don't want to put fires out. We want to start fires in you. We, don't, we want you to walk out of here burning a little brighter for Jesus. We want you to be a bit hotter for Him, friends. Inspiration. More than inspiration, our third word is this, preparation. Maybe if the team can join me, that'd be great. Now, now let's be honest. I want to talk real with you right now. This is just you and me. 
The honest truth is, Sunday church, it's kind of like Disneyland. Like when you come to church on Sunday, it's like walking into Disneyland. Like it's not really real. It's, it, 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 it's, it's an environment that's created and it's a beautiful place. It's a wonderful place, but it's not really real. Like you come in here and it's like, oh man, the worship, oh my gosh. And the people are so nice. You're like, I wish the people at my work were like that. And it works mean. Everyone's so nice and everyone cares about you and people will pray for you and the worship will be great and, and hopefully the pastor won't offend you. Like, it's just a lovely place. It's, it's Disneyland. Wow, it's just so happy. It's so amazing. But the reality is you don't live in Disneyland. Some of you are like, man, I wish we could do church every day. This would be so good if we just did it every day. It's like, but you don't live in Disneyland. You live in crazy town. You live in Missed Upville. That's where you live. And some of you want to move into Disneyland. Let me tell you. Because you're like, oh man, it would just be so good. Well, if I could work for the church. Because you're like, it'll be like being in Disneyland every day. Do you know when you work for Disneyland, you know what your job is? You've got to scrape up the stuff that falls on the roller coaster from the loop-de-loop. You've got to clean that mess up. Like working, being on church staff, working for church, that's your job. You don't get to see the wonder of it. You go around the corner, Mickey's got his head off and he's having a cigarette. That's what you see. The, i tell you what, the magic of Disneyland soon fades. You can't live in Disneyland. You don't live in Disneyland. The, the reality is you live somewhere else. And so our goal here is to prepare you for walking back into tomorrow. Our goal here is not to make this nice and so you just are dependent on this. Our goal is to shift your dependency from church to God so that when you go from this house, you're not leaving. Listen, when you walk out of here, that's when the plan of God for you starts. That's when the purpose of God for you begins. We have a little saying, we say, we say things on Sunday to help people on Monday. Our goal of this is to help you live the life God is calling you to live. Our, our goal is to give you tools and to equip you and give you wisdom beyond inspiration, to give you wisdom and tools and practicalities so that you can go, that makes sense to me. I know what to do and I know how to live that out and I'm gonna get closer to Jesus. That's our goal. It's not to make you Sunday dependent. It's, it's to help you flourish every single day of the week that God has got for you. The, the honest truth is this. Um, every message that we do, so every, every sermon that we preach, um, is about 20 to 30 hours worth of work. So it takes about 20 to 30 hours to create a 25-minute message to deliver on a Sunday. Let me tell you, Sundays roll around real fast. So you <laughs> and we agonize over these messages. I'm telling you, like we really, we pray, we seek God, we research, we study we craft and we chop and we change and we prepare and we preach. Before I preached this on a Sunday, I would have preached it five or six times already because I'm trying to iron out all the creases, make sure it makes sense, make sure it flows, all this kind of stuff, right? And here's the, here's the most like frustrating stat for a pastor. Ready? You will forget 90% of what I say within 72 hours. <laughs> Yay. So, so we, we, we tell stories and we give illustrations and we give practicalities. Why? Because it helps it stick. Why did Jesus tell stories? Because it helps it stick. 
didn't say a whole lot. So he told stories, he gave pictures. Why? Because it helps it stick. Because it helps you know what it means to live it out. And, and, and so our goal here is to give you stuff to help you live. Our goal is to help you take this from Sunday and make it work on Monday. If we're not doing that, why are we doing it? If I'm not giving you stuff that's gonna help grow you, why are we doing it? Our goal, listen, I'll make it clear. Our goal here is not to grow the church. Our, our goal is not to grow a big, like, listen, the vision in my heart is a big church. Lots of people, lots of messed up people, broken people, hurting people, coming here, finding Jesus, getting free. That's the vision. We wanna see a big church. But our goal is not to grow the church. Our goal is to grow you. We don't exist to grow a church for Steve's sake. We exist to help you, to grow you, to put stuff in your hand that will help you go to the fullness. That's our mission. That's our manner. That's our desire is that you would grow to the full life that God has for you. So our, our, our mandate is not to grow this. Our mandate is to grow you. And as you flourish, everything will flourish. But Sunday for us is a place of preparation. So, so when we say things on Sunday, chew it over. Like, take it away from you. That's why you have notes. That's why we have podcasts. So you can go and listen to it again. Chew it over. Don't believe everything I say. Like, go test it. The Bible says test every word. Go test it. And does it line up with Scripture? Does it line up with what God is saying in His Word? Go take it and chew on it and talk to your friends about it and talk to your small group about it and listen to the podcast and go, like, actually allow this to shape you and help you walk into the call of God over your life. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. I want to encourage every believer in this room, and I'm speaking specifically to believers, to those who are Christ followers and those who maybe call this church home. I want to encourage every single believer to make it a priority in your life to get to Sunday church. To like, listen, there's so many things that will distract you, try and steer you away, try and take that time away from you. The Bible says this, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all other things will be added to you. This is part of that process of seeking God. I want to encourage you to make it a priority. At you and your family, that this is where you go. This is what you do. It's a priority. Of our what, not because, listen, hear my heart. It's because as you build these things in your life, it's like every week there's another place where you get faith instilled and vision enlarged and God moves in your life. And, and the more you do that, the more you just grow and grow and grow and grow. It builds on itself. When you, if you came to our house, and please don't all come at once, it's small. Um, at the front door of our house, there's a little, um, a little framed piece of artwork that a friend made for us. And it's got written on that artwork. It's got Joshua chapter 24, around about verse number 15. It simply says this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It sits at our front door, see it every day. It's a verse over our home, over our family, over our kids. I want my life and my family's life, my kids' life to be shaped by a family of God, by godly teaching and wisdom that helps direct us and steer us towards the call of God for our lives. I love what Josh was saying there. He's saying to the, these people, he's saying, hey, listen, you can serve who you want to serve. Serve that God, serve that God, do whatever you want to do. You, but you got to choose who you're going to serve. But you choose who you want. But as for me, and as for those in my home, we're going to serve the Lord. For us as a family, it's just a priority that Sunday is a day where we come and we gather and we fellowship with the family of God and we sit under godly teaching and leadership and wisdom to help guide us and lead us into all that God has for our lives. And I encourage you to do the same. Choose for this day whom you'll serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'd love to pray for you, church. Can I invite you just to take a moment just to...
close your eyes just God we honour you we celebrate you we thank you for your goodness your greatness and your love and I pray over every person that is here in this room today I thank you that they've chosen to seek first the kingdom of God and I pray that for all of us we would make it a priority for all of our lives that this will be a place that we don't neglect we won't neglect the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing Lord we will make it a priority to gather together to sit under godly teaching and wisdom Lord to walk into the fullness of all you have for our lives and I ask that in the name of Jesus I want to pray one more prayer just one of your eyes still closed and head bowed if you're here in this room today and maybe you don't know Jesus Maybe you've come here today and you've been brought by a friend or a family member, but you've never made a decision to follow him. Maybe you have before, but if you're honest with yourself right now, you'd say, man, I'm far from God. I need to get right with God. And maybe that's the reason you're here in church today, because you're here because you want to get right with God. Can I tell you, friends, that God loves you no matter who you are, what you've done, what your story is, where you're from. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. We all mess up. And we all fall short of God's standard. But God in His amazing grace sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. And when He died on that cross, He took upon Himself what you and I were due for our sin. And He extends to every one of us here today, not judgment, not condemnation, but grace. Forgiveness for every wrong in your life, every mistake you've ever made. Forgiveness for it, grace for it. In fact, he says he removes it from you as far as the east is from the west. He gives you a brand new life that begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God makes you a brand new person from the inside out. You get to walk into the plans that God has for you. He has plans to bless you and prosper you, not to harm you. He wants to use you to change this world. And then you get this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. And if you're not right with God today, if you don't know Jesus, you're not right with Him, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me. I'm going to pray this prayer out loud, but you don't have to pray it out loud. You can just pray it with me in your heart. But when you pray it, I want you to mean it with everything you've got. This is your prayer, not mine. Are you ready? Pray it with me in your heart. Say these words. Say, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I know that I've sinned and I know that I've messed up, but I do believe that Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn from my old way of life and I turn to you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my wrongs. Come in. Be the Lord of my life. Take control. I choose from this day and from this moment to live for you. In Jesus' name. Just so your eyes still closed and head bowed. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to say I'm so proud of you. I honestly think this is the most miraculous moment in your whole life. And, and I want to invite you to take one more little step of faith. I want you to do one more little thing. It's going to require you to be a little bit bold and a little bit brave. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer, either for the very first time, or maybe you're getting your life right with God, I want you to be really brave right where you are. And when I get to three, I want you to put your hand up nice and high so I can see it. Now, I'm not doing that to embarrass you or stand you up or call you out. What I will do is from here, I will see your hand. I'll acknowledge you, and then you can put it straight back down again. This is your moment. This is your step. Be bold. Be brave. 
take a hold of this moment. Are you ready? If you prayed that prayer on the count of three, one, two, three. Hands up nice and high right now. Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. That's incredible. Yeah, God bless you, my man. On the top. God bless you, sir. That's incredible. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me. That's me. Count me in. Count me in. Nice and high so I can see it. Love to pray for you. Awesome. God bless you. Great. Thank you so much. God, we thank you so much for your presence here today. Thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for those who've just said yes to you. We bless them now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your grace and your love that covers them. God, I thank you for the new life that they are encountering right now in you. And so we bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Put your hands together, those people.